And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to an in-person edition of the Warriors All-82 podcast. Nate Duncan in Chase Center. Warriors sons. Fans in the building. You were shouting it out on Twitter saying how how great it felt to actually be in a uh, stadium with fans. And what kind of felt somewhat like a playoff game. Probably what Game 3 Warrior Suns would feel like in uh, a reality where that is the case, which it might be in a couple weeks. Yeah, I was really impressed by it. I, I had a, a great time. It was really my first time feeling what it's like to be in a crowd in 14 months. So that was that was really exciting. And... Uh, so it was a fun game as well. I mean, really high level of stuff, uh, a lot of strategy going back and forth. The Suns team is really, really good, and they were really locked in. They Chris Paul and Devin Booker both had really good games. And uh, the Warriors, though, honestly, like they Steph had a really rough game, but you know they shot 28% from three, finally hit a few late. The Suns start 9 of 13. Overall, if you just look at how each team played and the shot charts, the Warriors probably got better shots than the Suns over the course of this game and maybe could have even won by more if the shooting luck had been a little different. Draymond Green even said at postgame, like, this Phoenix team maybe defended Steph better than anybody this season. You know, Steph's had cold nights. Those happen. He had one in Washington. It wasn't because, you know, Raul Neto and, and Russell Westbrook were just, like, you know, sticking to the assignment so well. He just had a rough shooting night. Tonight, it felt like Phoenix forced him into it. Um, they have, you know, Bridges, obviously, Chris Paul, um, you know, a back line with Aiton, although Aiton had his, uh, I guess, his, his mix-ups late. But, you know, Jay Crowder's out there. Like, they have good personnel, and then they're veteran, and they stick to a game plan. Clearly, Monty Williams has coached them up very well this season. I did think they defended him well, but you mentioned the other guys. Uh, it's what I kind of wrote about was, like, there was this 11-point stretch. It was a four-possession stretch with about three minutes to go that won the Warriors the game. And it was three threes created, obviously, by the attention Steph got. But makes by Wiggins off a really nice ATO by uh, Kerr. Um, and then JTA, uh, you know, uh, Draymond did one of those fake DHOs. Dragged the attention. JTA hits a wing three. He's shooting 41% from three. I mean, it's still low volume, but 41% from three. Kent Bazemore shooting 41% from three. But then the other three that I wanted to mention, Jordan Poole, um, they're coming down the court. Kerr has left Poole in the game, which is an important note because he hasn't much because he's still like to trust Poole's defense less than some of the vet. Kent Bazemore was very surprised that uh, Kerr left Jordan Poole in the game instead of him when they brought JTA back in. Yes, yes, he did. Um, You know, and it was it ends up being a smart decision because first of all, Poole's playing well offensively, and he's kind of one of those streaky players. If he's playing well, he's he's more of a weapon than Kent Bazemore offensively. And they're coming up the court. I think this is about with like one, I think like one thirty left in a tie game, one thirteen, one thirteen. 
and and this also kind of shows Draymond's intelligence, but they're coming down those three with Wiggins and JTA in the corner, and up three, uh, the three Suns defenders waiting up top is Bridges, Crowder, and Aiton. Bridges is taking Curry. Crowder wants Draymond because the assumption from Phoenix is they're running the high Draymond Curry pick and roll, uh, and Draymond takes Crowder away, points at Poole, says you know tells Poole to be the screener because Aiton's on Poole, which is what the Warriors kind of at this point create weird mismatches because particularly they're not playing a center late. Um, Poole sets the screen, pops off it, and Aiton you know he's kind of in no man's land. And Poole gets a wide open three and he hits it. And like to me, those are important moments because those are like playoff type scenarios. Obviously, Phoenix is going to swarm Curry. They're going to put weird, you know, they're going to have mismatches like that. And if Poole's hitting shots like that, if the other guys are like tonight, you win playoff games that way. Yeah, we noticed this back. Maybe I think maybe the last in person pod that we did was the first Jazz game here, and Poole closed that game out as well. And what we said at the time was it's really difficult. You know, Jordan Poole is not Clay Thompson, but. If you put legitimate shooting around Steph Curry and Draymond Green, it is very difficult to deal with that. And, and with JTA hitting the shots, as you mentioned, Wiggins was hot. And then putting Poole in there, that is a lot of offensive capability to deal with. And now I thought Phoenix could have done a better job going after Jordan Poole. You know, I mean, he's putting him trying to guard Chris Paul or Devin Booker. Uh, it seemed like they were trying to go after Steph. They didn't have a great plan in the last three minutes or so, which is where usually they're a pretty good executing team. But yeah, Poole was great, and getting him on Aiton, it, like it just it kind of had that feel, just you know, a very kind of low rent feel of the same way it would feel when they would get into that Draymond at center and go on the big run with the crowd back in Oakland, and there was just this chaos, and everyone was running around, and the defense was making mistakes, and guys were banging open threes and getting a bunch of offensive rebounds. It was it was. Yeah, I don't want to get too carried away. With my first. So he's saying. So he's saying, Andrew Wiggins in this point is Kevin Durant, and he did have thirty-eight points tonight. Yeah, we got uh, we got to talk more about that for sure at some point. Um, I I would say JTA is the Iguodala in this scenario. Yeah, and I guess Jordan Poole's Clay Thompson. <laughs> I wish this we were doing this on video. You could have seen Slater's just impish look as he as he made made that statement. Uh, well, and, and then you mentioned Wiggins was so good, and part of that was what you talked about. They wanted to have Crowder on Draymond. They put Bridges on Steph, and that left not really great options to defend Andrew Wiggins, and he was 15 of 17 from two in this game, 9 of 9 in the restricted area. They start In the first half, the Warriors are 17 to 21 in the restricted area. They shot 77% from two in the first half, to make up for the 422 from three. So if any of those threes go in, I mean, they would have had a ridiculous first-half offensive performance the same way that the Suns did. And so Wiggins, I think maybe even more so than the fact that he scored so well in this game is, and, you know, this is the thing that always leaves you wanting with Andrew Wiggins, but he put his stamp on the game athletically, offensive rebounds, finishing around the basket, beating his guy, uh, you know, that spin move that he hit to put him up five was a, a, a play where he just beat a smaller defender and just abused him, got got into the post, had a couple of blocks. He, when he was actually on Devin Booker, he did a good job on Booker. It was the other guys who were getting cooked 
in that 22-point third quarter from Booker. So, yeah, I mean, this is easily Andrew Wiggins' best game in a Warriors uniform. Only his second game of the season over 30 points, which was I thought was interesting. I don't know that it was his best. He's, you know, he, he's had some big, big performances. I want to zoom out on Wiggins with you yeah. um, before we zoom back in on just the situation at hand. He has been a really good defender all season. You know, I, I, there are people who want to get him in the all-defense conversation. If he was even in that, that would be second team. It would be, you know, probably the last wing spot. I, he's not going to make it. But the fact that he has played himself into the conversation where you're not laughing at me right now, like Andrew Wiggins, like, could be considered honorable mention second team all defense because he's he's played every single game this season which is not hard, easy to do i think every other warriors missed at least 12 games um and you know he, i've seen him defend bradley beal well for long stretches like name your wing he's defending them pretty capably this season and whoever they play in the playoffs let's say they're playing utah they're going to put him on donovan mitchell for long stretches if they play phoenix he's going to be the primary devin booker defender just name your western conference wing they as an organization have come to feel comfortable about andrew wiggins being the primary defender on that guy even when clay thompson's back next year off those injuries you know wiggins will be the bulk guy i think uh, against the perimeter scores to do that this season to me has taken his value up massively at least from the warrior standpoint he still kind of is what he was offensively you mentioned it like 38 tonight but in general the metrics tell you he's pretty much the same he's a bit he's a better three-point shooter he's 38 percent now from three this season you know compared to like career he's 33 he sat 35 but you know this is his career best a lot of that is because he's getting more open shots off steph curry but where are you on him like do one year later in his contract, which also matters, um, I don't think he's necessarily a positive value contract because he's certainly not a $31 million per year type player. But, again, I think I've mentioned this to you before, but, like, if he's a free agent right now, somebody's giving him $20 million, which means he's getting closer to the point that, like, he's, you know, first of all, obviously very valuable to the Warriors presently, but also, like, that's no longer, like, an absolute poison contract, right? No, I don't think it is. And, you know, Joe Lacob can afford to pay $31 million for a $20 million player that you wouldn't have on your roster otherwise. And I think it's it's very important that he's just, he's been good enough in that role. He's been good enough to hold up defensively one-on-one where he's not going to get completely overwhelmed by these guys on the other team. And, you know, they have a top-five defense, although it might go down after tonight because the Suns shot the crap out of the ball. But, yeah, like, he's been good enough in the wing-stopper role to not prevent them from being a top-five defense. That's that's certainly quite valuable. And then, you know, he can get into the post a little bit. He can get in transition and, you know, makes, make some athletic plays. I think, uh, you know, he actually showed, like, a little bit of passion tonight out there. So, I mean, <laughs> so that's not going to be a consistent thing. But as a third option who can, you know, go off or maybe take advantage if he's being guarded by someone who's just terrible or really small, that's all you need from him on offense, too. So he he has been He's there every night, which is a thing. Like, he just plays every night. Especially this season. And that's just not a new Wiggins thing. I think I saw something. He's like missed 19 games his entire career. His first four seasons of the league was 82 games, 82 games, 81 games, 82 games. Yeah. This season, it's going to end up probably being 72 games. He's played 70 to this point. Um, okay. Did you zoom back in? Um, the 
so you have Memphis right now, one tonight, to a situation where they play the Kings twice coming up. They're thirty six and thirty three. The Warriors are thirty seven and thirty three. If they beat Memphis on Thursday, or I mean, if they beat the Kings in Memphis on Thursday, they'll bo- both them and the Warriors will be thirty seven and thirty three, and the winner of Sunday's finale here between the two, it, the tiebreakers on the line too. It makes it so Friday's game on both sides, Memphis in Sac- or Memphis playing the Kings again, and the Warriors here against the Pelicans doesn't mean anything because. Even if one of the two is entering the finale with one less loss, if they win, they win the tiebreaker, they win the eight seed. I assume the Grizzlies are going to beat the Kings Thursday night, and if I'm, if that happens, do you think the Warriors should rest uh, against the Pelicans on Friday? Rest Steph, maybe rest Wiggins, who has played every game this season. I mean, maybe you play like a preseason game. They play the first half. They play 20 minutes, whatever. Jordan Bell will be here. Maybe they want to see some some different mixtures as they add a couple bodies. I think Pascal might return that night. But like, how do you attack that game? It's, it's very odd because everything has felt so frantic the last month and like, gotta win every game, gotta win every game. But the way it's setting up, Friday probably doesn't matter and Sunday is everything. Yeah, I think it's interesting that, and because if you rest on Friday, you can actually get like a real hard practice in at some point between now and Sunday. Also worth noting too, that that Sunday game they're talking about might be pretty early. Uh, it, it was a little unclear from uh, Shams tweet that some games may be within the 12 to three thirty Eastern window and, and others may not be at this point after there's some feedback from the league on that, but guessing it's probably, I mean, that that game is probably gonna be pretty early. So, that's another reason you know you don't want to play late on Friday then you probably can't really practice on Saturday because you're you have an early game on Sunday so yeah I would be extremely judicious I mean this would be and it's not really long enough you would just have basically three days uh off essentially but you know you could get one good hard practice in during that time one I mean tomorrow will just be a straight day off because they just finished the back-to-back so then maybe you can practice that like that allows you to practice hard on Thursday, essentially, is what that would do. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. So the Lakers above the Warriors won. They survived the Knicks in overtime. LeBron, I believe, sounds like he's going to return in the next game. So, you know, you have it. They, they're still alive to maybe hop past Portland and avoid the plane and bump Portland down to seven because Portland still has a road back-to-back at Utah at Phoenix, and then they close at home against the Nuggets. Portland could go 1-2 and two or 0-3, oh and three. and if, if, the Lake, if that happens and the Lakers win out, I believe Portland goes down to seven. Um, how much should the Warriors be rooting for that? Do you, I mean, my opinion pretty heavily. They would much rather go up to Portland and face uh, a Blazers team. I think they'd have a chance against it instead of just – a Lakers team that, to me, is just if LeBron is eighty percent, just kind of physically overwhelms the Warriors. Yeah, I think so. And yeah, the Lakers team—they have a lot of veterans, and we've seen what having veterans and having good defensive coaching how much more difficult that makes it for Steph. 
Uh, as, an, as a quick aside, Memphis, for that Sunday game, has not played against Steph Curry yet this year. Those two games in Memphis, which the Warriors miraculously, the one game without Steph Curry, somehow they, they won that. What's funny is they probably should have won both. Um, Memphis, like, I remember leaving that back-to-back after they after Jordan Poole, like, won for, like, I think 55 combined in two games, and they beat them without Steph Curry. And then, honestly, would like I said, would have won the second one, except for Kavon Looney had a false positive, so he couldn't play in that game. They started Alan Smilagic at center in the second game and were winning all the way up until there was, like, two minutes left in the game. Smilagic, I think, had, like, five fouls in six minutes. Um, but I remember leaving, like, unimpressed by Memphis, but... But now they have Jaron Jackson back. He's starting. But you're right. Young defenders, and Memphis is full of young defenders, have a tougher time reading all the Steph stuff because it's so different compared to, as you said, you know, Lakers guys who LeBron James just reads that like a book. Yeah. Now, that Memphis team is definitely going to bash some heads in the paint like the Warriors will struggle with that. We, I guess there's more time to do a preview of that. I'm, I'm sure uh, someone may write something along those lines. I'm, you're already one. giving me ideas, but but yeah, but for the Lakers, yeah, I mean, obviously, you would rather play the Blazers than the Lakers. The, the Blazers have never had any kind of an answer for Steph Curry. They always have to play a drop coverage center, and that guy always just gets worked. And, and particularly the Blazers' second unit, if they're going to have Ennis Cantor and Melo out there, I mean, they're just completely drawing dead at the end of first and third quarters against Steph and so yeah you obviously would rather play Portland and then you know you still would have another chance uh but obviously they I mean the bigger thing is just beating Memphis in this game like if they go to the nine seed I mean they're probably a home game against San Antonio with no Derek White they're probably in pretty good shape but then you got to probably travel to Memphis presumably yeah west to east time change uh you know that that wouldn't be too amazing either though the Grizz would be doing the same thing uh, against either Portland or the Lakers going for, from West East. But, yeah, I mean, obviously you want to get into the eighth seed and have two you, chances. You get the free swing first. You don't get the free swing. Then yeah. you kind of have the safety net. Uh, um, I, I mean, honestly, though, like if you're a Warriors fan, I mean, don't you just like want to see it against the Lakers? Like get a chance to just like knock LeBron down to the eighth seed. And like it's not quite a winner-take-all game, but just like – a one-game playoff scenario against Lakers. I mean, the, what else is there in this season? Like, it, it would be awesome. It would be, like, the build-up to the game, you know, the two days beforehand, the preview that I would love to write. Um, all, <laughs> you know, all all, all S- of it leading. Laker, yeah, worlds are colliding. <laughs> so all of that would be fun, but, like, I think from a war- there's a chance you're, you're then down 15 in the second quarter, and you're like, man, would have been better if they were playing Portland. Uh, just from their perspective. Well, uh, I mean, I don't know if the Lakers can score well enough to really run away. They pounded the Warriors a couple times this season. Yeah, Warriors beat them, though, in in, in L.A. at full strength, right? Yeah, yeah. I, did Davis play that night? I don't know. I'd have to go back and look. Yeah, No, no, he did. He did. I mean, that was like the they did like this Steph Draymond, like hand back to hit the big three to, to win it. But, yeah, uh, that was, uh, I mean... It would just be great theater, though. I mean, it's, I agree the Lakers would be favored, and we'll see what LeBron looks like, all the reports on him. You know, I've been glowing, but, you know, he aggravated this ankle injury a week ago. Like, that could easily happen again. Yeah, you know, and he might be rusty, too. Um, okay, let's move beyond that. Um, the Warriors, the last two nights, have seen who would be their 
round one opponent if they move through the play-in. Either Utah, who they beat without Conley and Donovan Mitchell, um, or tonight, a Phoenix team. Yeah, they didn't have Cam Johnson, but they had all their main guys. You know, that was a, that was a motivated Phoenix team playing the type of way they would pretty much play in the first round against the Warriors. And the Warriors, had, you know, it was a good game. You play that game ten more times. Phoenix definitely wins a handful of them. But it's interesting. What do you? Who? I'll ask it to you this way: Who should the Warriors prefer? They, you know, they can't be picky. They just got to get in how they can get in. Whoever they face, they face. But if they could handpick Utah or Phoenix, who should they want? Oh, that is a really tough question. I think you know the Warriors still really, I thought, struggled to score on Monday when Gobert is on the floor. If you eliminate those favors minutes, it's just, yeah, I, I know it's like Steph can get some shots, but like, you know, Kavon Looney just isn't threatening enough as a role man. Like, okay, you, if you throw it to Kavon Looney, like he's just not going to do anything. Uh, and Gobert really puts a lid on the rim uh, against the Warriors. Um, but, you know, that is still a way for Steph to maybe get some open shots. And I think Phoenix, to me, causes more problems for the Warriors on offense in a playoff style setting. Chris Paul looked extremely spry today. He like looked better than he looked for Houston in 2018 and 2019, frankly, like with his ability to beat guys off the dribble. I mean, he beat Draymond for a jumper. Like he just, he beat Steph. Like he looked really, really energetic and obviously Booker. Booker looked great in the third quarter. Yeah. Yeah. um, I think JTA might want a series long crack at Booker. (laughs) Uh, yes, that was extremely enjoyable. As a, man, the crowd here loves JTA, by the way. Do you know he's from Oakland? Really? Do you, yeah. Which avenue is he? <laughs> do, do, would you happen to know if he grew up on? Yeah. But, but no, I mean, I've seen, like, some, like, JTA jerseys walking around in the bowl and stuff. By the way, like, did you see they won and he beelined over to Joe Lacob and Bob Myers to, like, high-five him? I'm like, yeah, he's getting a guaranteed contract Thursday. Yeah, no, I, I do not, uh... I'm not nearly as on Lake of Watch as you and Ethan are during the games. He's entertaining. Um, that that is true. Yes, but you know this is a cold, calculating, rational analysis here. We, Joe Lake of fist pumps. Uh, go elsewhere for that shit. Oh my! Um, do you give them a legitimate shot against either? That will that is already emerging as the topic around here around the Bay Area, especially the last. Uh, two days because of the two wins we saw. I've been on the pessimistic side of it. I think they're losing against either. I think they're too thin. They're running an eight-man rotation that right now includes Michael Mulder out there. Um, you know, Jordan Bell is not going to really you know lengthen that rotation. Um, so that's kind of you know, there's a chance Kelly Oubre reappears, but you know, I'm still kind of skeptical of that. Eric Pascal again. I don't think that really lengthens the playoff rotation. They're top-heavy. Uh, Steph is going to face swarming defenses against a Phoenix team or a Utah team that would be much deeper. Utah's 31-4 and four at home this season. If they have to go to Utah, that'll be really tough to get wins. I don't see it, but I must say the last two nights have at least cracked the door open in my mind of, like, they could scare them. You know, you win one of those first two, you get one of the those two at chase, like, like it's two two in in a seven game series, like out of the realm of possibility in your mind. Like where are you at on that? Well, if you're the road team, I, we didn't have this in the bowl last year. But if you're the road team, and I, I also expect, I mean, I'm sure Utah, Phoenix, where they are, be so happy to have playoff basketball. I mean, that'll be just as good as a, an environment as it was here today. Like this is enough where home court, I think, is going to matter 
uh, in a way that it didn't last year, obviously. But it's not pure pl- like playoff basketball where that Utah crowd is like packed to the gills and like on top of you. But still, like Utah's been just impossible to beat at home this season. Yeah, so I, I think like basically my usual rule is if you're really serious about winning the series, you probably need to win. You need if you're the road team, you need to be up three one, and get back to having that game six at home because still even two two it's usually like you know eighty percent in favor of the home court advantage team. But I think Utah, you probably more want to play them number one because they don't have those one on one threats that are going to cause you as much trouble. Uh, and number two, Mike Conley and, and Donovan Mitchell, who knows what's going on with them. Donovan Mitchell, they just announced he's not going to play in the rest of the regular season. Like He he must have had like a grade three ankle sprain. Obviously, nobody ever announces what these injuries are in today's day and age. But uh, And Conley, they were holding him out. He's probably not going to play the rest of the regular well, season. Well, he's had just thing. persistent hamstring issues. Even if you see him, there's a there. You know who know. You know he he might not last. Um, yeah, yeah. He could he could easily re-injure it. I mean, maybe they're bringing him back earlier than they want. I mean, he missed. You know, with hamstring tightness, he missed like two months last year. So, uh, I mean, I think you'd rather play Utah just because of that potential health aspect with their guards. Because especially if the Warriors are going to start switching. Like, I think the Warriors can cause problems defensively for Utah in a way that maybe they can't as well against Phoenix. Um, but they can score better against Phoenix, I think, overall than Utah. Because Gobert is still really, really good. I know people here don't like to talk about how awesome he is because, uh, you know, there's, like, the defensive player of the year rivalry with Draymond. But it's not close. Like, Rudy Gobert is the defensive player of the year this year in the regular season. And the whole idea of him getting played off the floor hasn't really happened like those Houston losses like they lost because they couldn't score like Houston actually got held way below their normal offensive performance and I would expect the Warriors to have some moments where they just if the threes aren't falling you're not getting anything at the rim on Gobert yeah and you know what to be honest that seems like the most likely uh scenario which is the Warriors get in the play-in they don't get by the Lakers they're favored in a home game against the Grizzlies, which basically they'll have a preview of that Sunday here. Basically, they play into the safe side of the play, and um, and, and to me, that's probably where I think it's going. I think they probably will sneak in as the eight, and if they're the eight, Utah, because of the Warriors beating Phoenix tonight, is the likely one, and that'd be fun, you know. And and you know, if the Lakers are do sit at seven and do win that first play, in you'd be sitting there with Utah against the Warriors as the one eight in the West and. Phoenix against the Lakers as the two seven, and then I think you'd have Denver, Dallas as the four five, which would make it what Clippers, who am I? Who am I? Oh, Clippers, Clippers Blazers. Blazers. That's probably the worst series. Clippers probably handled the Blazers, yeah. but but those other three, that's a really good first round in the West. No, I'm pretty excited about it. That, that could be fantastic. All right, Nate Duncan. Anything to plug, including your you did an awards podcast where I believe he had Steph Curry second in MVP. Yeah, Warriors fans, uh, we were we thought Steph was Danny and I were very very close, uh, and I kind of just gave it to Jokic uh, based on the fact that he's played a little bit more. But I think actually statistically it's pretty close. So we we talked a lot about that and Jokic's defense. So I'm sure that'll be uh, candy for Warriors fans to some degree. The defensive player of the year discussion, perhaps less so, but. Okay, uh, well, listen to that if you'd like. And uh, Warriors-Pelicans in what might be kind of a meaningless Friday game setting up for the, for the Sunday finale. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.